Welcome to Media, Marketing and Advertising on PG Podcast Network. Now here's your host, Paul Gardner. Ask any marketer, and provided not a robot, well, at least not yet, they'll tell you that marketing has not just evolved, but changed in ways we've never previously seen. Think marketing's version of Blade Runner 2049. To show you how far it has come, for the first time this year, digital marketing budgets will surpass television advertising. So what happens when technology takes the lead from focus groups, breakthrough idea generation and good old-fashioned gut instinct? Are traditional marketers simply the new pterodactyls, flying high and unchallenged one moment, yet extinct the next? Let's find out. We talk to Ben Sharp from AdRoll. Hi, Ben. Hi, Paul. Thanks for having me. Ben, thanks for being here. I want to talk to you about a couple of topics that the ad role your business is currently really across. The first is marketing attribution. Now, now for the listeners, just explain what marketing attribution is. Sure. Um, you can almost take a step back here and say uh, marketers have always needed to look at ways of measuring the success of their campaigns. Sure. Um, traditionally, um, you know, if we look in the offline world, uh, there was you know, look, uh, ways of measuring it around net promoter score, um, increase in sales, uh, brand preference, and uh, a number of factors in, um, in those areas. As the world of marketing um, and advertising has become more and more sophisticated with so many more options available for a marketer to run their campaigns, it has become even more complex for an advertiser uh, or a marketer to measure the success of their campaigns. Wouldn't success still be measured in sales? I mean, you're talking about which which medium actually is successful, aren't you, rather than the actual sales itself? Well, absolutely. You know, if you think of what a marketer um, typically does, what do they eventually want to do? They want to do one of a number of things, drive more sales, increase brand preference, um, secure more budget or, or, or more um, spend and sales from an individual customer and bring that customer back more often to buy, you know, to buy more often from them. So at a very top level view, absolutely, that is very much what a marketer should be looking at. Um, the activations that they um, invest in to drive towards those results have different measures of attribution um, along the way. And if you look at a, um, a number of digital types of campaigns, um, you know, the digital industry has been fantastic over the past 15 to 20 years in that it is so measurable. Um, you can measure just about everything, how many impressions that you've served to an individual, how many times that person has seen an ad, um, the number of clicks that they might have generated and what happened off the back end of that. Um, and there are some platforms out there such as Google Analytics um, as one example that allow you to track all of this in real time um, with really sophisticated insights. Um, now with attribution, it is, um, it's complex. Um, yeah, sure. It's sometimes difficult to understand um, in the digital world and a marketer very much needs to ensure that um, what they're looking at in terms of attribution actually aligns with what their core business outcome might be. And, and with, with, I guess, with things like artificial intelligence, it's actually getting smarter each time, isn't it? Because at the very beginning, it was still a bit of smoke and mirrors and uh, why all the likes coming from China? You know, who is really buying this product? Are the click-throughs really working? We're really, what I really want to do is get the right offer to the right customer at the right moment. Uh, absolutely. Um, the, the artificial intelligence conversation is very tricky and difficult. Um, and 
uh, you know, it's, it's very interesting. Um, you know, the way in which I like to think about artificial intelligence or machine learning in the world of advertising is that, um, you know, technology platforms are able to model a user's behavior um, that they know something about to be able to personalize and add to, to that individual um, at the right time, in the right place, in the right context, and, uh, and that type of thing. And that's what a lot of ad tech um, related vendors such as AdRoll um, are able to do um, quite well, obviously in a privacy compliant way. Ben, in um, a recent study that you've released, you've said that 81% of organisations use marketing attribution. Did that surprise you? No, to be honest, I think that uh, the number should be much higher. Um, uh, if you as a marketer um, are not measuring the success of your campaigns, um, and using those results to inform what you may invest in into the future or how you might optimize how you are spending your money, then you run the real risk of wasting a lot of money and maybe not um, optimizing your spend and activation into the, mo- the highest performing placements. Um, as I mentioned before, uh, you know, digital media, ad technology is so measurable, so there's so many benefits off the, off the back of it. Uh, if only 80% of marketers are measuring attribution, there's 19% of marketers out there that are um, shooting in the dark. So we want to encourage them to um, think about, um, you know, initially a, um, an easy way of intri- uh, attribution, use something like Google Analytics, and then as your um, strategy and your budget becomes bigger, become more sophisticated about how you think, um, uh, you know, think about attribution. The other statistic that um, is really is really interesting is that um, whilst you know a large number you know and we're talking about the majority of marketers use attribution. There's so many different forms of attribution that they um, that they think about, and that could be anything from last click attribution, multi point, multi touch attribution, um, and there's pros and cons um, you know for for each of those um, uh, each of those methodologies. Ben. What does this mean for the, the middle guys, the, you know, the media agencies? I mean, if organisations are already doing their own attribution and measurements and uh, analytics and, and work out what works and doesn't work, what do they need the media companies to do? Uh, really interesting question. Um, we could probably speak at length for this for hours, I think, but um, <laughs> you, you have to say that the role of agencies is changing, um, and it's changed a lot, um, uh, you know, over the past uh, over the past couple of years, especially with the um, uh, further development of technology. Um, and program- programmatic, of course, is the hot the hot topic, of course, in media agency land. Oh, abs- absolutely! I was at an IAB event last week where um, the acting CMO of Commonwealth Bank was talking, and um, she um, explained that they brought their programmatic and search strategy in-house um, over the past couple of years. So they removed the um, execution layer um, from the agency and they've seen significant increases or improvements in their not only um, total acquisition numbers, um, but also the efficiency of how, um, you know, of, of how efficiently they can um, engage and pick up a new customer. Um, which, which is great. Um, and what, the, what she said um, was really interesting is that they still use the same number and types of agencies, but they use them in a completely different way. So their media... Well, in, a, in, a more, in a more creative way, or, you know, we'll, we'll do the numbers, you guys just make it look better and sexier. 
No, not at all. Um, well, that, that, that might be part of it, but the, what they're using their agencies for, especially their media agencies, is more as a strategic and um, independent and objective, okay. um, uh, you know, a group of um, you know external partner. Um, when you've got an agency that not only um, creates a strategy, um, uh, processes the transaction, um, measures the benefit, and delivers that back to the client. Um, you run the risk of the agency not being as independent as, as what they need. Whereas in the Commonwealth Bank example, what they're saying is that Commonwealth Bank themselves will do the execution. So they will buy the ad space um, and uh, you know, deliver the ads and uh, you know, measure performance. But what they will do is use their agencies as an independent objective voice to advise them on which technology and media partners that they should use. Ben, one of the studies, the number one benefit, I guess, wasn't a big surprise. You know, they say better allocation of budgets. The number two benefit I thought was quite interesting, a better understanding of how digital channels work together. I mean, digital channels have been around a while now. Are they just, are they just been throwing money at it without really understanding how the, how the mix should, should work? Oh, uh, possibly. You know, I think if you re- rewind in media five years, the world was very different to how it is now. So there's always going to be further development and enhancement and improvement into how you um, create and deliver your, your budget mix. Um, if, you know, depending on um, how a marketer thinks about attribution, measuring success, um, uh, levers that they want to use to optimise, um, the assumptions that they put in at the top will inform the the output on the, on the back end. And an example of that, would be, um, let's say you're running a digital campaign and you are only optimising your campaign to the number of clicks that are generated. Um, We know through independent studies that only about 16% of internet users actually click on ads. So if you as a marketer are only optimising your campaigns and making decisions based on um, those people that click on ads, then you're only optimising against a very small um, cohort of um, of your customer base. Um, it's also um, recognised that those people that click on ads uh, probably have a, um, a, a bias towards buying from you in the first place anyway. So um, you're not creating incremental uplift in sales for, for your business. What we um, typically try and explain to our clients is that, you know, click-based performance, so last click performance of a campaign, it's really important and you should absolutely look at that as a signal. But you can also measure the people that have actually viewed an ad and... Um, those people that have viewed an ad or multiple ads over a period of time and then been influenced to buy from you um, that have not clicked, these are people that are you know incremental sales for your business, and you'd need to take both you know both of these um, uh, concepts into account when you're when you're optimising your media mix and and uh, and your campaigns. So, so you're basically saying that if I, if I hear you right, that sixteen percent of people only click through ads and the majority of those are already existing customers so they've already had some experience with the brand and or the vendor and the ones that look at them but don't click tend to be almost tie kickers or undecideds and the, and the real opportunities to convert them is, is, that, is that the real trick here uh it, it's all yeah you, you've almost got the summary correct so the 16 percent of people that click on ads um whilst they might not be existing customers they might be you know think of a, a retail site um uh, you know, people that bounce off the front page and only look at one page, were they ever uh, likely to buy? Probably not. But um, those people that go right through the sales funnel, put something into a basket, um, and for whatever reason, they just don't convert in that particular case, um, but they were highly likely to, um, serve them an ad, they click on it and uh, process the transaction. So they're, they're, um, they're high intent customers that were most probably about to or likely to buy from you. 
Um, but there are many more people in the sales funnel um, that have looked at multiple products, multiple pages, um, shopped around, compared different uh, price points between different sites. So they're active. Um, now, th- they are unlikely or probably less likely to click on an ad, but they are a real opportunity to convert and then continue to upsell. One of the, one of the other areas you, you touched on in one of the papers you recently wrote was the convergence of ad tech and martech solutions. So aren't they really different? Absolutely. They are very, very different. Um, it's, if, we, if we talk about the convergence of ad tech and martech, I think the, the first thing that we need to do is to define the difference between what ad tech and martech is. Um, the first thing I'll say, and I'm sorry to give like a, um, a, a loose answer to this, is that there's no um, industry-defined um, explanation as to the difference between ad tech and martech. Um, but the best way of probably thinking about it is that um, the way in which you define the difference is that um, ad tech and martech use um, different types of data uh, to help drive their product. And what? And let me explain that. An ad tech vendor is typically performance-based, um, and what that means is that when they run campaigns, they measure um, and deliver success and uh, in real time for a, for a customer. Um, they are predominantly a one-to-many, um, almost broadcast uh, form of communication. So me as an ad tech vendor, I will work on behalf of a client. I will serve... Um, you know, a million ads on their behalf to hopefully, you know, half a million people. Um, so it's a, you know, a broadcast type of uh, type of message. Most of us in the ad tech world use cookies on a browser to identify potential customers in a privacy compliant way. And those cookies that we place on the browsers that then track um, individual users' um, behavior on a site um, we rely uh, typically on first-party on-site data, which is basically those people coming to the site and um, building up a profile of that particular browser, or we ingest third-party data, which is um, you know uh, third-party data sources sure. from a from a DMP. Sure. Um, so that that is that that's predominantly how you'd explain an ad tech type of environment and how it works um, from a data perspective. In comparison, a martech vendor very much focuses on the customer lifecycle, they try and create personalization and uh, try and develop in some part a one-to-one relationship between the brand and a, and a, and a client. Think of MarTech being a CRM platform such as a, you know, a Salesforce as one example and uh, you're able to ingest uh, customer data, build a really rich profile of them, change that profile in real time based on their touch points with you um, and then alter your marketing message with them over, over time. Um, there's measurement built into this, um, and uh, you know, typically with a Martech vendor, uh, they already know the customer. They already know something about the customer. So um, Martech relies almost on ad tech to create demand in the first place, so to drive the customer and the you know to to them, um, and then enrich that data over over time. So Martech is not taking over completely from ad tech. I mean, you, you already mentioned that you know, they have different environments. I know the pricing models are different. Um, the way they're valued. It's different. I mean, how could they ever come together? It's simply that the ad tech comes first and martech comes at the back. Is that what don't you say? Uh, that's pro- that's probably one definition as to um, uh, how they can complement each other. They, I see them coming together for a, for a number of reasons. Um, if you're a marketer, in many cases, you want to consolidate a single view of your customer, and if you can do that with a vendor that can both um, help you acquire new customers convert them, and then build a profile about that customer, quite often your 
understanding of the um, benefit of that platform that you're working with is much greater. So you have a much richer and deeper insight into your customer. Yes, um, as you mentioned before, the price points between an ad tech vendor and a martech vendor are quite often are different. Ad tech charges predominantly on a CPM or a performance basis. Martech will, you know, usually um, charge on some subscription-based model. Um, there's a lot for each to learn from each other um, because, uh, you know, I'm sure Martech vendors would like to be able to um, deliver some degree of performance or explain their <laughs> um, their benefit to, to the clients. Sure <laughs> and and I think they can absolutely do that um, with the, uh, you know, with benefit that that ad tech vendors, uh, you know, come with. And you're seeing convergence happen. You know, think of Salesforce buying Crux, which is a DMP, um, 12 months ago and you know the the large cloud-based companies oracle salesforce adobe they're constantly buying you know adding to their stack and you know they've been buying ad tech types of vendors over the past couple they're not, of they're years they're not buying agencies that's for sure well no because the cloud vendors are buying they're buying technology so an agency is usually reliant on external technology to deliver their um their, their service um and they are a service-led um you know agencies are a service-led business I spoke to one marketer uh, a little while ago and said to him, "What's what's what's your brief? What's your what's your key KPI?" He said, "Reduce reduce acquisition costs." It was his key KPI for the whole year. It wasn't acquire more customers? It's just costing too much to get them. So how do we do them cheaper? And he was moving very much into martech. And I guess I guess that's really the critical piece of the puzzle. If they can if they can get a better a better relationship with their customers at a cheaper price, acquire them less, and and retain them, it's got to be a win win. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I think of, you know, I can, uh, you know, talk about the ad role product development here just really quickly, and I'll try not to do it with too much of a sell for you, but. No, no, sell away. Sell away. <laughs> but, you know, the, this is the, this is the conversation we have with clients all the time. You know, find me new customers as cheaply as possible. Um, make sure they're the, r- the right customers. Help me convert them and grow value out of that customer over time. So, you know, we very much talk about, you know, we help our, you know, our clients attract, convert and grow. Their, um, their their customer base using on-site third party, you know, first party data. Now with um with, with that you know we've always had an ad tech you know first product you know we run prospecting campaigns we get new uh, users in based on you know profiling that we do across our our you know uh, ecosystem our data ecosystem um, we convert them using a retargeting. Uh, you know, product which is uh, you know very much what Adroll was built around. But then we are now starting to offer um, you know great personalization for for you know our clients to be able to deliver personalized messages to their customers on web, social, and also email. And this email side of um, the house is really interesting because okay. email marketing has very much been. Um, something owned by the Martech vendors, um, mm-hmm. and this is an area that the ad tech vendors are very much moving um, moving towards. And you know, yes, it encroaches on that space, but we're able to now deliver email messages to customers based on defined, uh, you know, methodology, um, you know, a, a kind of rules, and do it in a personalised way based on what they were most recently looking at on the customer site. Ben, you talked about AdRoy, your company. I mean, it has 35,000 clients worldwide. Are you seeing the mix of clients, the sort of clients that come to AdRoy? Are they, are they changing dramatically? Are you starting to get the really big blue chip top 100, top 500 ASX? Or, or is it still sort of more experimental? I want to try something different with my budget. I want to make it stretch further. What, what sort of client are you getting? 
Uh, I'll, I'll talk predominantly about the Australian business because, uh, you know, we, we, I think we'll be um, listened to by an Australian audience. Yes, globally, we've got 35,000 customers. Um, they span, you know, all different um, verticals, you know, industry segments and clients of all different sizes. Um, if I think about, um, you know, locally what our sales approach um, is, you know, we sell to two types of customers. Um, one, we do, we do speak to agencies because agencies rely on um, third-party um, technology vendors to deliver their, their solution or, or service to their customers. So agencies are a very important part of our client mix. But then we go and speak to um, clients direct um, a lot. And that's, that's the majority of our business at the moment. When we speak to client, uh, direct clients, as a an ad roll solution, you know what we've been what we've created over the past ten years is actually not an enterprise level solution for the largest advertisers in the country. We're, we're a platform that has enabled marketers of any size to buy um, uh, web, social, mobile um, campaigns in a performance environment using really complex technology in a very easy and understand easy to use and easy to understand format. As a result of that, um, we've uh, been able to build a very large customer base of small to mid-sized customers. Of so what, 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 would that, what would the average media spend be, for instance? Yeah, um, spend. Oh, average digital spend on a yearly basis. You're looking at people that spend anywhere from fifty grand to maybe five hundred grand over okay. you know over the twelve months, predominantly on um, on uh, digital. Yep. Um, you know, digital solutions. So, you know, we're, we're not speaking to the Commonwealth Bank. You know, the, the, that type of advertiser, very, very complex. Uh, sure, would I love it from a revenue perspective? Absolutely. <laughs> it would probably probably cannibalise my business, so that would be the only client I could ever work on. Oh, well. Um, <laughs> absolutely. You know, but that, that is not the ad roll model. The, the ad roll model and what we've been able to do is to democratise media buying um, irrespective of... Um, the size of the of the client, and as a result, um, those advertisers that need to try and convert users on their site and deliver performance, you know, are our absolute sweet spot, and they're in the SMB to um, what we describe as mid market space. And if you have a look at, you know, do any research on, you know, the SMB market, it is a very very exciting market to look at. Um, there was a report that I was reading from Deloitte only yesterday saying that, um, you know, SMBs, um, I think it's like 81, 82% yeah. of um, SMBs either have or are about to transform their business using digital technology. Um, they need to use digital technology more and more. They can see the absolute benefit in doing so. Performance is a cri- critical part of their strategy. And, they are looking for a number of vendors to help them um, both acquire, convert, and manage their customers using using technology. So, you know, where does Adroll fit into that? You know, we, we can very easily plug into that market. And there's, I think there's 2.1 million small businesses in Australia. So, you know, it is a massive market segment. We recently did a, um, a podcast on small business uh, and that how big business is really small business, you know, in Australia, how important it is to Australia. Ben, how do you find... The, the staff with the right qualifications. This is fairly sophisticated, a, a lot of groundbreaking work. I mean, how do you find these guys and girls and say, this is the right kind of person? Are they traditional IT people? Are they traditional media people? Where do they come from? Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting topic to talk about talent um, in in Australia. So 
where do they come from? In in my business, I've got a mix of people from a whole uh, range of backgrounds. I've got juniors doing, you know, more junior entry level roles. We take them out of uni and skill them up. Um, they're quite often, um, in many ways, our best uh, best talent because we can educate and mould them from the start, from the start of their career. Um, so that's you know that that's one source of talent for us. We also look for experienced talent for you know specialised sales, more you know more experienced roles that we that we need, and then we look at complementary businesses to ours. Um, or industry segments that we think uh, that we believe people can make the transition across to uh, to selling media. I've seen, you know, we, we, we've actually had some really great success of taking people out of uh, SaaS, you know, technology um, uh, SaaS platform uh, type of environments that have been selling product to CTOs and uh, and uh, technology managers. And you know, if you can sell a piece of hardware to a an IT manager, you can sell uh, marketing to uh, you know marketing execution to a marketer that wants to actually spend money because they need to. So we've we've noticed that um, that that transition work um, work very easily. Outside of that, you know, ta- securing and or identifying securing and retaining talent, it's a challenge for any business, and we're we're no different. Um, so we're constantly building cultural programs to attract and retain our talent and continue to develop people that we've um, that we've brought in. The other part of the conversation, which um, you know, is something that I think is important for all of us to think about, is the Australian government six months ago made changes to visa rules, um, which has made it much more difficult to import talent. Um, and because we and many other environments are so specialised, there is not always the talent pool available to us to recruit um, those experienced staff that we need. So when the Australian government makes changes to visa regulations that make it more difficult to bring in people on 457 visas, the knock-on effect is pretty significant. It means that it's more difficult to recruit. But I've started seeing that, you know, you're seeing salaries start to increase um, for some roles, some of those specialised roles. So, um, so you know, supply and demand. Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. And I'll give, I'll give one example. I've got one recruit that has been sitting and waiting for between four and five months to have his visa issued by the Department of Immigration. Um, and uh, this poor guy is sitting there without, you know, without a job waiting to start with us. We'll, we'll start him the day after his visa's issued. We just can't bring him into the office. Mm. I'm talking to uh, Ben Sharp from Edroll. Uh, ben, if people want to hear more about Edroll, how do they contact you? They, they go to the, you have a website, obviously, over the What's the best way to reach you? Uh, so the best way to reach us is via our website. There is a huge amount of content and information on AdRoll. So adroll.com.au. Um, within the AdRoll site, there are a there's a bunch of resources. We have a blog and we um, publish regular content, um, reports, market insights, and uh, and that type of thing. There is not only contact us forms, but when you uh, register and download for or download one of the pieces of content, you need to put your details in, and then you get uh, contacted back by um, one of our staff. There is also a number that you can call us on, um, which is listed on the website as well, which will um, put you through to one of our specialists that can uh, you know answer any questions and, and help you out. Ben, it's been fantastic talking to you. I appreciate your time, and uh, I'm glad to hear that traditional markets aren't the new pterodactyls. They just have to evolve a bit more, maybe into sort of some winged birds or something, whatever dinosaurs became. Thanks very much for your time, and if others listening, uh, if you'd like to look up my podcast, it's www.pgpodcast.com, where you can follow me on Twitter at Paul Gardner. Uh, ben Sharp, thank you very much. No worries. Thanks, Paul. See you later.